from point blank range. You can't put it in the lead column. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Friday, December 8th. And this hour of Flames Talk is underway. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully, you're doing well on this Friday or whenever you're listening. It's Steinberg along with you. And I'm not alone. It's time for the Eric Francis Hour. Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. And the Eric Francis Hour is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. Please play responsibly. And when it comes to Eric Francis, I feel like I'm never alone. And he joins us uh, right now for the rest of the hour. Hello, EF. How are we doing? I'm excellent, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, we have got an absolute ton to get to. Um, I, I want to start with your latest column, if you're okay with that, but we also have, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Toffoli trade. I want to talk about comebacks. I want to talk, talk about goalie usage. Uh, are, we, like, are, are these all things that you're okay talking, talking about? Toffoli got traded? Um, yeah, in June, I believe it was. I was golfing that day. Okay, <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering where he was. They could really use his scoring right now. Yeah, why? Where? Where has he been all year? Why yeah. is he hurt? Actually, Danny Austin had an interesting stat on that, didn't he? He's been uh, going around. He's all excited. Who's led the Calgary Flames in scoring in the calendar year of 2023? The answer: Tyler Toffoli. Huh. Still, huh. not not including his goals in Jersey. It's his goals from last year as a Calgary Flame, I think Blake Coleman tied him last night. But those those are that's an interesting stat right there. Both if, if Coleman and Toffoli have been your leading scorers in the calendar year of 2023, that's a very interesting stat given you know what different people are being paid around the team to score goals with. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I digress. Well, and we we've got lots. We let's we'll get there uh, in time, but I. Tell us about your latest, uh, your latest column. You have, uh, you've got a, the, your latest out at sportsnet.ca. It's on Chris Tanev, and let's what like what what about Chris Tanev? Where are we going? Why are we talking about Chris Tanev, my friend? Well, listen. Over the next couple of months, as this team really digs in to see what 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 this team is all about and what direction they want to go in, I think generally speaking. And I, you know, I listened to you talk about it, you know, with Wes and and these guys and Vixie, and 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 it's pretty evident that you know a thir- a guy who's going to turn thirty four in two weeks' time, Chris Tanev, you know, if you're looking at any sort of a retool rebuild, he he'd be like one of the first guys to go. I, I think most people think that of all the UFAs, well, he's easily dispensed, and you can maybe get a second rounder for, or you can debate what you can get for him. But obviously, defensemen seem to be all the rage this year in terms of ads that teams would like to make around the league, the Leafs being the obvious connection. Anyway, my column is basically all about the fact that I don't think it's necessarily an easy decision for the Calgary Flames. And I'll tell you why. The first guy I spoke to about it was Rasmus Anderson, and he said something to me that nobody's ever said to me in all the years I've covered the league. He said to me, to me, Chris Tanev is untouchable. You don't often hear teammates Mm -hmm. say that publicly, you know, and say, like, he said he's the best teammate in the last week and a half since he blocked that shot with his face, I've heard two different guys say 
Chris Tanev is the best teammate I've ever had in my career. And then Anderson didn't say that. He just said he's the best ever. He's the best guy. He's, he's such a great teammate on and off the ice. He says, you guys don't see half of what he does because you only see the on-ice stuff. The off-ice is just as important, and he's such a leader. And, 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 and the column basically boils down to this. Look, obviously, you can get huge value for the guy. You've discussed that endlessly. But whether you're rebuilding, retooling, you know, I think it's a retool as opposed to a rebuild here, but whatever you want to call it, you still want, you still need those cornerstone guys that are going to lead by example, the ultimate pros, the guys who show you how it should be done on and off the ice all the time. The guys who, when they say block a shot with their face, they make you look in the mirror and go, geez, what, what could I, what more could I maybe be doing? I don't really want to block a shot with my face, but what more can I do? Because this guy's willing to lay it all on the line. Uh, and, you know, I just think that he's the ultimate role model. And so when you look at a, a situation like the Chris Tanev one, I just don't think it's as cut and dried as to say, um, it's not as cut as dry as, sorry, my levels, are they low? Here, I'll boost them up here. Is that a little better? Seemed like it got a little bit better, yeah. There, maybe that's a little better. Could he, I could hear anyway. you. I could hear you doing something in the background. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. I just want to make sure you can hear me. We can hear you. Anyway, we can definitely hear you. Anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, this organization has a tough decision to make when it comes to Chris Tanev. And, and I, you know, if he wants four or five years extension, obviously that's, that's a mm -hmm. no brainer. You don't, you don't do that. If he wants a big raise, obviously it's a no brainer, but I think he's quite reasonable. He has a very good relationship with Craig Conroy. They've been discussing everything for quite some time. He said that they had contract talks in the preseason and then that kind of ground to a halt with the, uh, you know, the, the organization wide halt on all contracts. But he, he basically says it's up to the organization to decide. He says, I want to win here. And I think that's interesting to hear from him saying, look, I want to win here because not everybody wants to stay here. And here's a guy who wants to stay here. And I always cite guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins when he said he wanted to stay at Edmonton, even though he probably overpaying for him, you have to sign that guy because he wants to stay there. And he's a, you know, obviously an important part of that team. I just wonder, you know, I think what the, the bottom line is, whatever this team does over the next month and a half will determine which way this organization wants to go and whether it feels like Tanev should stay here and be a mentor for the, for the rebuild or the retool, or do you just cash in and start anew with all these new young guys and young assets that you're going to get for a tenant. It's it's an interesting quandary for sure. It is the may, maybe one of the most fascinating conversations surrounding this team right now, Eric, because I think that you can make like f first of all, I I, uh, I I lowered myself and I read your column today. No, I I always I always I, I try to always read what you're writing, <laughs> especially I would never. I'm just kidding. I love your work. Uh, I I try to I try to read uh, what you write all the time because I know we're going to be talking about it. And and first and and that quote that you got from Raz was so good because not only is it a great quote to print, but like. I know exactly how he sounded when he said it to you too. Like you just having been around Rasmus and, and knowing the type of uh, like the way that he delivers certain things, like you can just hear his voice saying that to you. And you're like, geez, that's convincing because you know, you know that he means it when he says that. And so mm -hmm. you, that, that resonates. And at the same time, I think that you could get an absolute haul for Chris Tanev at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a really difficult conversation or a really difficult debate 
to be had that has a lot of different, I think, uh, different forks in the road or, or different tangents that you can go off on. So it is maybe the most complicated decision the Flames might have on their hands just because of how, not to say Noah Hannafin or Elias Lindholm aren't thought of really well inside that locker room as well, because of course they are. But, you know, yeah. Tanev has got that reputation of being like a straight-up warrior, and he's still a really damn good defenseman. And everybody you talk about talk about just how selfless he is as a teammate on and off the ice. I don't know. I, I, I this This one, for me... I don't know what it is in the Flames front office, but for me, it's truly a dilemma. So let me bounce a few questions off you then and, and bounce ones right back at me. But like, what what would the type of contract be that would keep him here? Like, what would Chris Tanev need to keep him a member of the Flames? Well, he's making $4.75 million right now which is quite reasonable for a top four defenseman. I think that's pretty much the going rate for guys who signed three, four years ago. And I, I can't imagine he'd be looking for a raise. Now, maybe I'm crazy to say that, but I, I just don't think that he'd be looking for a significant raise. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because I know the numbers they were talking about with Hannafin were like $7.5 million a year if they were going to extend him for eight years. So uh, perhaps I'm I'm way off on this, but... You know, for a stay-at-home defenseman whose offensive numbers are, are not flashy at all, obviously, but that's not what he is. Um, you know, to me, for the Flames, it's got to be three years or less. And I just don't know if he would sign for less than, for you know, for three or less. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when a guy gets to age 34 and he's, he's an unrestricted free agent, it's all about just trying to squeeze an extra year or two out of your career by using the leverage you have right now. And I'm not sure he's ever going to have more leverage than he has right now. I actually believe that. I He may have more leverage now than he did when he was exiting the Vancouver Canucks four years ago or three years ago. It, it's just amazing to me, you know, how valued he is as a member of the Calgary Flames. I don't recall him being that valued when he was leaving the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, when he left the Vancouver Canucks, and people weren't sure what the Calgary Flames were getting because he was so, I don't want to say injury prone, but, you know, he was susceptible to injury. So uh, nowadays, he's, he's, I think he's only missed 17 games in the four years he's been here. Uh, he's durable. He's, he's everything that you want him to be. And unlike Hannafin and Lindholm, I think we all kind of understand that they're probably leaning more towards going somewhere else. Um, I feel like Tanev is leaning more towards wanting to stay, all things being equal. But again, in all three cases, they want to know that this team moving forward is going to have a chance to win. And and, and that's the ultimate question, that the, the organization has to decide where and when do they value winning. You know, is it is it this year? Is it making the playoffs? Is that what it's all about? Uh, or is it more about the bigger picture in two or three years? Can they not only be uh, a playoff team, but can they be a, a contender? So these are all questions that management has to answer. Mm -hmm. Those players have to answer. And, uh, you know, people, are, again, the hall, we went through this before, and I'll bounce a question back at you. Yeah. What does Chris Tanev get you on the open market? I mean, the buzz is unbelievable already in Toronto about this guy, especially with John Klingberg going on long-term injury reserve. Now there's money to pay a, a, a Chris Tanev mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, you know the desires there in Toronto alone. There are lots of other teams that would definitely be in the running and would compete with the Leafs for Chris Tanev's services. So, again, 
teams don't throw first rounders around like they used to last year i don't think a single one changed hands correct me if i'm wrong and this year i wouldn't be surprised if you know only one or two change hands if none because it's people are just coveting these picks more than ever you tell me is the is the is the top a second rounder what, what can he get well, here is my, this is, and, and when uh, Vix and I were talking about this last week and, and inspired by our talk the, the prior Friday, uh, maybe it was earlier this week that we talked about it. Regardless, because you and I had brought this up kind of, and we, we talked two or three minutes about it. Uh, I think it was on last week's show. Um, yeah. And so I've been thinking about it a lot. And so I think... You know how there's been a, a sentiment in this market that the Nikita Zadorov, whether you and I agree or, or, or not, that the Nikita Zadorov return wasn't enough and that it was an underwhelming return based on what a lot of people thought he was going to bring back. I feel like Tanev is going to be the opposite or has the chance to be the opposite, that when a deal gets made, if, if he doesn't resign, if they don't go down that road and they do end up trading in between now and March 8th, I feel like whatever it is, we're going to be like, wow, that's way more than we thought Tanev was going to get. And, and I say that because I think a lot of teams look at him, especially contending teams, and say, that could be the missing piece. We look at, I, I, I keep going back to Dallas, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like Dallas is on the, and there's numerous teams like them. Toronto's a perfect example. I fully get why Brad Living and the Maple Leafs are hot and heavy on Chris Tanev. But I look at Dallas, right? Dallas has got elite players. They've got an elite goaltender. They feel like they're on the cusp of being able to truly win a cup. They were just in the Western Conference Final. and But you take a look at that blue line, you're like, okay, who is their shutdown D? You know, you like Lindell, and, you know, Ryan Suter at one point was an elite D, but now he's an aging guy. You're like, who... But could a guy like Chris Tanev, you put him on the right uh, on the right side of one of your top two pairs, that would instantly take them to a different level, I think. And now all of a sudden, Dallas's blue line is on the same level as their forward group and their goaltending. And you're thinking to yourself, geez, these guys are legit Stanley Cup contenders. And I think there are five or six teams like Dallas or Toronto that would look at Tanev as that guy. And when you look at somebody as that guy... I think you're will like look at what look at what Florida paid to bring in Ben Sherratt a couple of years ago. They it's looked at him as that yeah. it is, and maybe Florida way overpaid on that, and it shouldn't be the comparable. But I even look at like look at what some of the other defensemen got last year, and even though there wasn't that first round pick, there were guys that you're like Luke Shen got that. Or player X got that, and I just feel like Tanev's the type of guy that is is going to surprise a lot of people on his return, and so because of that, I think if you're Craig Conroy, you have to explore every avenue and know exactly what the market is for him, and then weigh that and say, okay, with what we think we could get for Tanev on uh, in a trade, does that outweigh? the benefits of him re-signing here, which is you laid out and Rasmus Anderson laid out, there are also large benefits of, of retaining him and keeping him as part of the fold. Um, yep. that, that's, that's how I would answer it. I don't know if it's a first rounder. I don't know if it's a second rounder and a top prize. I, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be more than a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, again, I'll re- people keep pointing out the Ben Sherratt and there was the other one that people use a lot about that the first the first rounder that a defenseman landed that was a couple of years ago right markets changed like last year first rounders were coveted like never before and and I think that's going to be the trend moving forward as teams just understand that that's the only way to rebuild uh, or to continue building is to hold on to those you know for dear life so 
It's uh, I can't see him getting a first rounder, but I certainly could see him getting a second rounder and plus, you know, like a plus a top prospect. I don't know if it's going to be a top prospect, but it'll be a second rounder plus. I, I think that goes without saying, it, you know, that seems to me that would be the threshold. But either way, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting debate that that will be had for the next six weeks. He told me his phone is blown up like never before. I mean, he's a Toronto kid. And obviously when everybody in Toronto is thinking you're going to come there or that you'd be the perfect fit, you can understand why all his family almost every single day are you know chiming in on a different development whether it has to do with john klingberg whether it has mm-hmm. to do with just something somebody wrote something somebody said something somebody who was injured when mark giordano broke his finger that was a whole other thing oh my god now they got to get tan up like it's just it's not going to stop and he even said that he goes it's not going to stop until it stops until until he either signs or gets traded and he understands also that it gets noisier and louder the noise every time the Calgary Flames lose a game and every time they win a game it gets a little quieter so it's uh <laughs> it's going to be something that we're going to have to uh live with for the next five or six weeks so you know it's good for us to talk about it now uh and then we never have to talk about it again yeah right what uh what's your gut say in terms of like you Craig Conroy does not ignore and and does not you know flippantly listen to what his players say like that 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 comes into his decision making as well what what's your gut say like is this still inevitably moving towards a tanev trade in your eyes huh it's you know it's all dictated by how this team plays and and so if if, then that then flips the question into how do i think the team is going to play I think this team is good enough to continue doing exactly what they're doing right now, which is hovering right around 500, maybe inching a little bit above it and, and staying right in that playoff race, right up until the trade deadline. Like I think this team is that good, uh, good enough to do that and to overcome the hole that they dug early on. So that complicates matters tremendously for Craig Conroy. The easy thing, as I said on the, the TV broadcast last night, the easy thing, you know, in an awful way for, for the GM is if this team falls out of the race and then it's like, okay, yeah, everybody's up for grabs because this thing is just, this core is not getting it done and we've got to make some significant changes. Uh, but if, if they stay right in the race, then also what sort of a message does it send? Like, I don't think that he's scared to trade a core two or three players, even if this team stays in the race. That's not without precedent, even here in Calgary. Uh, and it doesn't mean you don't believe in the team as a GM. It just believe it just means that you're valuing the future far more than the current season, which is tenuous at best. And that's probably where this team's going to be at. So yeah. to, to answer your question, what do I think is going to happen? I think one of the three guys is going to be signed. I, I I would bet quite heavily that either Hannafin or Tanave are re-signed, but not both. Okay. And, and I think losing one is such a blow to this team. Either way, that having the other one stay, I think, really cushions the blow. And then a lot of people say, well, then keep the younger guy. The younger guy with the upside who also has the offensive side, but he's not quite the leader and the defensive player that Tanev is. Some of these decisions will be taken out of Craig Conroy's hands because I do believe, again, that it's just my gut feeling that Lindholm and Hannafin are going to be the ones that say, you know what? It's probably time we part ways. Interesting. And you? Do you agree with that? I still do. I agree. Do you think all three are gone? If I were a betting man, like I, I don't know what is going to happen for me. I still, if I were a betting man, I'd say all three are gone. Yeah. And also, 
as it stands right now, and this could change, you know, on January 8th, it could be a completely different conversation, and and the group in the locker room and the group on the ice, they, there's still a chance for them to sway people like me who are feeling like this, but I still think the opportunity that you have with all three of these unrestricted free agents to cash in and take advantage of your unique opportunity outweighs any, uh, st- to me anyway, still outweighs keeping them around. Now, if all of a sudden they look like a completely different and, and high-end team in January and they're playing, like, you're like, holy cow, like, these guys look great. Well, then, yeah, let, let's have that conversation. But as of right now on December 8th, they're still below 500. They're still only winning games in, in comeback fashion. And yeah. so and so right now I'm like, okay, I, I, I think that the opportunity to move on from the UFAs is still too good to pass up. But there's still... It's December 8th. That means we got, what, uh, one, two, three months until the trade deadline. There's still lots of time left. Okay. Let me just throw this at you then while we're on that subject. Yeah. In light of what I'd said earlier about how hard it is to pry a first rounder out of anyone's hands. And Mm -hmm. sure, the teams you're probably going to be dealing with are contenders. So this first round pick will be 25th, 26th, 28th overall. Do Do you really envision a scenario where... All three of those guys are gone, and this team has two first-rounders and a second-rounder, plus, 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 you know, with plus prospects and all sorts of other things that these guys would, you would think would bring back in return. Do you really think that they could sit there with three first-rounders or two first-rounders and a second-rounder for those guys? Yeah. that would be the goal. Yeah, I think so. I'm not saying they can. I'm just, that would be kind of the... That's the dream scenario, right? To go into next year's draft with an additional two first rounders, or maybe even three, on top of the one that you have. I can't remember. the Flames do have theirs, or no? Flames, or is that still up for grabs? I believe it's That's still up. Monahan I situation. believe it's still up for grabs. Yeah, the the yeah, conditions uh, on the Monahan trade are still uh, hanging. We'll do a whole show on that one day. Yeah, that'll be. Let's read every single condition. Yeah, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but yes, the the conditions <laughs> on their first rounder this year are still very much uh, hanging over their first rounders. So um, Toronto's got their first rounder this year. I know that much. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that Toronto, I mean, we all see that it, there's a clear path between the two, the, the relationship between Trilliving and, and, and Tanev. Uh, a big part of it, I think, is that the Leafs do believe that they could probably re-sign Tanev. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't just be a rental. It would be you know, hey, let's test this out for a couple months, hopefully get a good playoff run out of you, and then let's sign you for another three or four years to retire as a Toronto Maple Leaf in your hometown. Like, I think that they certainly feel that way. And, hey, that's that's part of the reason why a guy like Tree Living, I think, went out and decided to leave the Calgary Flames and go to a city where players are dying to go and play for. It makes it a whole lot easier to sign free agents. I mean, look what he did in the summer. Uh, he signed guys... And I know it hasn't worked out in all the cases, but they almost all signed for under um, the value that other teams were going to pay mm-hmm. because they all wanted to go play in Toronto. And I don't blame them. So, I, you know, it's, uh, it, it is very interesting to see all the reasons why we could all rationalize a 10 of to Toronto trade. Like he's clearly, that's the odds on team that he would go to if he's going to be traded. But then there's the question of does Craig Conway really want to deal with his, I don't know, a former former mentor, friend, uh, however All you want to deem above. it. You're swimming with sharks. Everybody's got to be terrified to deal 
with Brad Tree Living because Craig Conroy also knows many a GM have been burned in trades with Tree Living. Not that Tree Living hasn't made mistakes, but it's a scary guy to deal with, I would think, given all that's you know, given all the history there. Um, it's the Eric Francis Hour. Steinberg Francis along with you, Eric, uh, on Twitter at Eric Francis, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. The Eric Francis Hour every Friday as part of Flames Talk. What uh, just as as the Devils are in town for Saturday afternoon? Um, what? Uh, how are you feeling about? It's been almost six months since Tyler Toffoli was traded to the New Jersey Devils, and it's funny we're talking about you know Craig Conroy potentially dealing with Brad Treliving and what the type of return could be for a guy like Tanev or Lindholm or whatever. That was the first trade Craig Conroy made on the job. That was the first big move that Conroy made in late June at the draft in Nashville. Sharon Govich and that third round pick come back the other way. How how do we feel about the Toffoli trade a little more than six months on? Because it was a contentious one at the time. There are still people who believe that the Flames lost it heavily. Uh, there are others who believe that they did really well on it. I'm curious as to where you are on the Toffoli trade. You know, now that we are a little more, a little less than six months removed from it. Well, I don't think there's any question that it was a. Oh, I don't want to say lopsided trade, but. Certainly the Calgary Flames didn't win that trade. Yet nobody could have thought they were going to win that trade. Like this was, they were dealing from, they were not dealing from a position of strength. They were dealing with a guy who had laid out his contract demands and they were completely unreasonable in the eyes of Flames management, given his age and given, you know, what he thought he was capable of earning on the open market. And, you know, why not shoot for the the moon and the stars if you're Toffoli, but also good on the flames for just going, okay, that's not even a starter. So we're clearly going to have to trade you. Uh, and, and, and when the trade demand came in, then you have to trade him because you've already said anybody who doesn't want to be here, we're going to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So there you are. You're dealing kind of like the, the Matthew Kachuk deal. You're dealing, you're on your heels from this start. And you know that teams are going to try to take advantage of you. And you know, you're probably not going to get the better of it. So all you can do is hope that you got a younger guy who's going to eventually blossom. And, we haven't seen it yet from Sharon Govich. I do think that we'd all probably agree he's gotten better and better. Uh, they've gotten to the point now where he's now a fixture on the power play and he's actually in charge of zone entries. Like that's, yep. you know, that's a job that used to be Johnny Gaudreau's. That's a job that they give to guys like Elias Lindholm, guys with, you know, primo stick handling abilities to be able to navigate through that, that wall of defenders and get it into the offensive zone. So they believe in him, and he's also the first guy over the boards for the shootout because they think he's as skilled as anybody. But there's a timidness to his game. Um, there's still an uncertainty to his game in my eyes. Uh, there's a long way to go for him. And I, I think the first thing that I say when I think about him the first month and a half or whatever of his tenure as a flame is, now I see why the, the Devils were so quick to be able to just you know trade this guy away and why they were laughing all the way uh, to the bank on that trade because they knew they were getting a first liner into Foley or a guy who could definitely be a solid top sixer based on the season he had last year. And they also knew that Sharon Govich wasn't fitting into their top six, no matter what, because they just didn't, they had no room for him. So uh, a win for the devils in every way, you can't deem it any other way, but given the circumstances, not horrible for Craig Conroy. Uh, I think the criticism might've been, well, maybe he should have waited a little longer and maybe got a better deal. But again, I, don't question that he scoured the league and this was the best deal that he could have come up with. And, uh, you know, I, maybe in time we'll look at it differently, but I just don't see Sharon Govich continuing to progress the way 
uh, the Flames had hoped. Do you, do you think he's been a bit of a disappointment? I actually have been really, I've really come to appreciate what he means. I'm, I'm, and that's why I, I'm, I don't think it's a, a loss for the Devils. They got what they wanted. They, they got a really important player. Uh, but I, I guess there's still a couple of things that are important to me. Toffoli's still a pending unrestricted free agent. He still hasn't signed in New Jersey, so and, and we don't yeah. know if he's going to. So there's that angle that I think is important. He's a rental? Sure, yeah. Um, and I look at, I mean, the Flames got a player who is under team control, who's, what, five, six years younger than Toffoli, and, and I think he's really starting to settle in and becoming more and more comfortable with his new team, and I just... I wonder with that shot and with his power play time, he's been instrumental on the penalty kill. I just wonder if come the second half of the season, we're talking even more favorably about Sharon Govich. I know how thrilled Conroy was when the, the player that they selected with the third round pick uh, in the Toffoli deal got was still on the board for him in, in Adar Suniev's. And, and so I think that that needs to play into it. I don't know. I, I'm... I'm not as I'm not as down on the return the Flames got. I think it fit exactly what the Devils needed, and so I think it's gonna wh- whatever happens. I think New Jersey will be happy to make that deal. But I just mm-hmm. don't I don't I just don't think that it's this fleecing or ripoff that the Flames got on the other side. And the last point to that, there were a number of similarly aged forwards in similar positions as to Foley that were traded at the draft in Nashville as well. And the Flames got the best return compared to all of those. Uh, and so I don't know. I just yep. pending UFA 31 wasn't going to sign for anything but a long term deal in Calgary. I, I thought they did all right on it. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess the just the bottom line is, I don't think Sharon Govich has been as good as I thought he was going to be. You know, we we had all penciled him in all summer long as being on the top line because he had this world class finish. We haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Sure, we've seen a couple rockets in the shootout and a, you know a couple goals where they were absolute snipes, but not many, not many at all. And so he's a work in progress, and I think he's getting better, uh, but. You know, for a guy who's been on the top line for the last little while, and again, I think the lines are really starting to, to you know, be solidified for this team, and and they're better. Uh, that's still not a dangerous first line. As a matter of fact, we could have the discussion, you yeah, know, one day, anytime soon, that that might be the worst first line in the National Hockey League. And and I'm talking about the Lindholm line. Like people might even say, well, who's the first line on this team? You know, I think a good argument could be made that the best line on this team is. Is the Backland Coleman line, or would you argue that Cadre's line is? I don't even know. That's they don't really that's a good have topic a number maybe for one next week. Right no, they don't. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it, but if you go around the league and you look, everybody's got a, a top line that, in some ways, defines their team, and everybody knows those are the guys that are going to be over the boards first on the power play and all this. Calgary Flames have decided to spread it out a little mm-hmm. bit, certainly on all their different lines, and I get that, and it's worked, you know, somewhat well, certainly over the last month, but. If you just want to get into the discussion, okay, let's rank the top lines in the National Hockey League. Like, okay, two years ago, there was no doubt, and I would argue with anybody, by any metric, the Calgary Flames had the best first line in hockey. Mm -hmm. There was zero question in anybody's mind. Not only was it the highest scoring line in the NHL, it it also had that defensive responsibility with with Lindholm and and Kachuk to a degree. You know, it it was the best in the league. We Mm -hmm. couldn't, nobody could dispute that. Now... I'm not sure you could argue that they're anything but the worst. And that sounds awful to say that because, again, I, I don't want to take away from them. They have decided to spread the wealth out. But that line can't be compared to 
you know, oh, absolutely three quarters not. of the top lines in National Hockey League, right? And and definitely not to the the line from twenty one twenty two. Like that was just it, well, it was amazing. Yeah, they may never have anything sure like the that league. again. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if uh, I didn't pay attention to it last year, but like who was the number one line in the league last year it was probably the Bergeron line. Bergeron line was pretty darn good. Yep. You know, so Kachuk line, they, they, Kachuk was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, so but and again, it, it, that sounds like overly harsh on 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 Lindholm and and these guys and Sharon Govich, but it it's just not producing at all uh, compared to way uh, any sort of number one line, let alone even top six line should be. He's Eric Francis. My name is Pat Steinberg. We are well underway on this Friday edition of the Eric Francis Hour. Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you, as always, by our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Eric Francis, our rolls on on this Friday. Steinberg and Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca along with you. Okay, where do you want to go? Do you want to go goaltending or do you want to go comebacks? You choose. Eric, are you on mute? Well, I'm going to choose if we don't hear from Eric. Uh, where'd Francis go? We were just talking to him in the break. Uh, maybe he's trying to uh, reconnect as we continue along on this Friday edition of Flamestock. Of course, always available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we talked a little earlier about the Tyler Toffoli trade and uh, and also talked about Chris Tanev's future. There he is. Eric's back with us. Uh, I'll ask again. Um where do you want to, do you want to go goaltending or do you want to go comebacks? Should we go Otani? Nothing's nothing's happened. If you that's a swear word. Sorry. The amount I the just, amount just of giving times, people the update. Do you, do, you, do you know how like how much I, I had I had people breathing <laughs> down my neck leading into like when we go live 4 to 6 like it was if he signs at this time you're doing this, if he signs at that time you're doing I'm just Oh my yeah. goodness! Okay, I got it. So I got okay, sorry. It. Just wanted to give the update. That's Triggered all. me. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that's very traumatic. Uh, let's go. Let's go goaltending. I I, uh, I think they're going to start Vladar tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I would start Wolf. Your thoughts? I agree on both fronts. I think they're going to start mm-hmm. Vladar, and I would start Wolf. It was, uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, Ryan Huska after practice on Friday was very uh, coy about it. Was not as you asked him. Is today the day to? Uh, divulge your goaltender. He said, nope, today's not the day. So we did not get an answer, but Dan Vladar was in the starters net in their final practice before Saturday's afternoon game against Tyler Toffoli and the Devils. So looks like it's going to be Vladar. Um, If, if it is or isn't, I would still go, I would go Wolf. I just, I think you've got a real opportunity to see what you've got here. And he was also great against Carolina. He was one of the primary reasons, you know, him, Kadri Coleman, one or two others were the primary reasons why they were able to come back and win that game against Carolina. I agree. Uh, I've, Hey, I've always believed that every coach in hockey with very rare exceptions should always go with the hot hand. I don't care if you're making $7 million a year and the backups making two, 
go with the hot hand. I don't. I just don't understand in a lot of cases why they don't do it more. Um, that said, that said, you know, if you've got a guy who you you believe in more, then you you go with him. So go with the hot hand or go with your gut. Um, listen, Vladar was fantastic in the first period the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a ninety second lapse by the team and by him, and suddenly he's out of the game, and in comes Dustin Wolf, and the city goes nuts. And you know, it's funny. I I grabbed Dan Vladar today, and I just said, hey. I hope you don't feel like, not that I'm in the business of worrying about someone's feelings, Except mine. but I, I do like Dan Vladar a lot. Like he's, a, he's one of my favorite people in that room, just as a personality. And, and I just said, I hope you don't feel like when the crowd was going nuts the other, nuts the other night and you're at an absolute low point, you just got pulled from the game. You don't feel like people were cheering for you to get pulled. And it was, a, it was a commentary in any way about you. Do you? And I don't, you know, again, maybe I'm just getting more sentimental in my old age. And he said, no, no, I don't, I don't think that at all. I understand people are excited about Wolfie. And uh, he says, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Anyway, when I'm coming off the ice, I'm not hearing the crowd cheer or anything. I'm just, he's in his own world. He's furious. He's furious that he maybe, you know, didn't give his best effort or, or, or just furious that he got pulled either way. There's a lot of emotions as you can understand uh, you and I have never been pulled in a National Hockey League game. Um, so we don't know how it feels, but you can imagine that mm-hmm. it would just feel as low as you you could possibly feel. So he just said, no, no, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel slighted at all. So that, that I was, I was happy that he said that because I, it's Christmas. I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> and, and to be honest, outside of that 90 second lapse, you know, he was really good the other night. He kept the Calgary Flames in that game. Uh, for as long as he possibly could in that first period when they were getting absolutely destroyed by a team, a Minnesota team that I don't think was going to get stopped in any way. So I get it that you're going to go back with Vladar. The coaches said all along that there was a plan in place and they're sticking to the plan. I just think that when a guy gets pulled in a game and then the guy who comes in is really, really good, I think you alter the plan. But again, I'm not, I don't think it's worth, you know, screaming from the rooftops and, and criticizing the coach for. But it's funny that you and I both say that. I put it out on Twitter today. I rarely put it out there to see what people are thinking. But I said, I have a hunch that people have pretty strong feelings on who should start the yeah. game. And sure yeah. enough, you know, I decided to look just out of curiosity. And I would say about 70% of the people just sent an emoji of a wolf, which is kind of the new thing right now. It's got to be trending. In the, it's got to be like second only to... Otani right now in terms of trending who? Uh, <laughs> and uh and <laughs> yeah oh, there right. it is uh that'll blow down <laughs> well done you're we're gonna hear a lot of that and then but but I was surprised there was still 20 or 30 percent of people are like no Vladar has been great give Vladar is the backup and really you have to unseat the backup you don't do that in one game but to your point it's a great opportunity right now you're only going to see Wolf here for another week maybe Right, we're led to believe that Markstrom will be back in less than two weeks, sort of thing, and I think while you got him here, take a good look at him. So I don't know. I, we're going to see him next week anyway in the back-to-backs and yeah, all that. But they've got uh, they've got three and four next week on the road. Yeah, yeah. So well, and 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 I think how Vladar plays tomorrow will also dictate you know how the rotation goes too. If he doesn't have a, a great outing, then I do think you'll see Wolf in two of those three games in those four nights. What? Uh... Do you think that we see a spot opened 
for Dustin between now and the trade deadline, especially as he continues every every game that he's played in now. So he's now appeared in four and started three NHL games. Every time that he's appeared, I, I felt like, yeah, he looks like an NHL goaltender. And that's a 22-year-old yeah. uh, who's just getting his feet wet in this league. Do, do you think they make the room between now and the deadline, or are we talking about waiting until the start of next season? Such a great question. It, I'll answer it by saying this. Uh, and again, I don't want anyone to be sad over Christmas, and I don't want to say anything negative about <laughs> Dan Vladar, but what's his trade value right now? You know, I think people in Calgary um, are high on him, and I think they like him, and I think they think that, you know, he's a really good goalie. But if you're out there trying to augment your goaltending situation, it's a pretty hard sell to bring in a guy who's got a goals against I don't I haven't looked at the latest numbers but what is he a 3.3 goals against average and a, and a save percentage that's like 880 890 like you're I'm sure you're you're clicking on it right now it but is, uh, indeed I am 877 save percentage 345 yeah. goals against well you know what I mean like and again I think he's been better than those numbers suggest but at the end of the day, when you're trading, it's it's a it's a PR move as much as anything else. You need you you're going to go to a market and say, "Look, we just brought this guy in, and we think he's the answer to our problems here in Toronto." Um, and again, it's easy to connect that dot because Tree Living was the one who brought Vladar here, and they do need goaltending. There's no question about that. But you know, in a market like that where the scrutiny is high, you're going to stick your neck out and say. I'm bringing in a goalie with a 3.45 goals against average and an 8.76 save percentage, and I promise he's going to be the answer to our problems, and that's why we gave up a fourth-rounder for him. I don't even know if you could get a fourth-rounder for him right now with those numbers. Do you? Um, and they it, gave up a third to get him. They remember. gave up a third to get him. I do think with maybe as, as some teams become a little more desperate to sure. – May I? I still think there's a chance that you could at least recoup what you got for him, but you're right. I mean, the numbers are not super sexy. They're much worse than super sexy. Um, his last few appearances have been better. The Minnesota appearance and the the Vegas win, he's been strong. But there's been a few eh, not so great appearances this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think his trade value is super high right now. Um, maybe if. However long Jacob's out for another week, week and a half, or whatever it is, maybe if he gets a few more quality starts in there, it can maybe start to rehab that a little bit. It's funny mm-hmm. though. It's funny. The only I, I, as as we were talking about Vladar's numbers after after the win over Carolina, the only goalie on the team with a above nine hundred save percentage is Dustin Wolf. He's at nine oh one. Granted, in only three appearances, but that's the only goalie on the team with an above nine hundred save percentage right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hey, obviously a trade at some point is coming, and down the road we can have a discussion as to whether or not maybe Markstrom would be in play. I mean, that's – that's he has a no-trade clause, and if he doesn't want to go anywhere, then obviously that's a nod and starter. And I'm not suggesting that you trade Jacob Markstrom at this point in time, but you have to discuss – you have to think about the possibility of all, any of those three goalies. Mm-hmm. Moving except for Wolf, obviously he's the guy who they'd they'd burn that building down if they traded <laughs> Dustin Wolf, but but uh, they'd be howling. <laughs> Come on, Cam, that was your chance to play it right there. Azam, we need it again. Hit it, hit it. Oh, so I'm sorry, man. You know, anyway, 
the the there we go so i'm i haven't answered your questions because i don't know the answer i i don't know if you're going to be able to be able to get any value for dan vladar this year um and you know hopefully there are scouts there at the game if you're a flames you know management type you're like hey look at the game he played against the defending stanley cup champions he stole two points all by himself and he did no question but they'd say yeah but <laughs> look at all the other numbers from all the other games and i just don't know so mm-hmm. he he's going to have to pick it up and, and improve those numbers if he's going to be you know tradable at all uh in, in the near future otherwise you know if they can't trade him then you know then there's just no room for wolf unless there's injuries and that's that would be a shame but again if they're going to liquidate and they're going to get rid of tanev hannafin and lindholm or at least two of those guys then you'd start to think that okay no matter by hook or by crook, we've got to get Dustin Wolf in here with regularity from now to the end of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated to see where it goes. Okay, quickly, we're, we're, we only got a few more minutes. Uh, comeback wins, six after 40 minutes, tied for the most in the league. They also uh, are num- they're, they're, they're number two for in the NHL for time spent playing from behind. And uh, they are number 30 in the NHL for time spent playing with the lead. All those things considered. Comeback wins. Are you glass half full or glass half empty on them? I like what Coleman said after the game. Which right? Is, I'm with you. It's, it's important to know that we can come back because last year we didn't, we didn't think we could. We didn't, we didn't have that belief. Now... I still think it's a glass half empty thing because you can't just keep doing it. Obviously it's not going to be sustainable, but it is impressive that this team is showing that again, I, I keep giving credit to the character in that room, bouncing back from a two win in the first 10 starts to, to do what they've done o- over the last month is pretty impressive. Um, and also in game, the way they've, you know, resilience is the number one word used to describe this team right now. And, 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 and for good reason. So the other thing I want to point out is I think that it's a complete misnomer to suggest that this team doesn't isn't doesn't show up on time and they don't have good starts and they, they're not prepared to play. I asked the coach about two weeks ago, okay, you've at that point they'd allowed the first goal something like six out of eight games. And now it's now it's something like twelve of the last fifteen. So it's gotten worse. But he said, No, we, we think our starts have been good. We're just allowing the first goal. I don't think that they're being badly outplayed. The last two games are a bad example. They have been horrible. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. But prior to that, I don't think they'd necessarily come out and been the worst team, even though nine times out of 10, they allow the first goal. So it's not a preparation thing. It's not, hey, what's wrong with this team? Why can't they start on time? It's not, hey, Daryl always prepared them to be ready to start, and why can't this guy? That's not the narrative at all. That's not accurate. They just seem to be unlucky. And it's not just luck, but they just seem to be surrendering that first goal for whatever reason. Sometimes it's a shaky goaltender. Sometimes it's just a lapse in coverage. We saw Solovyov, poor guy, the other night got undressed like he was in the Heritage League, and uh, and 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 then you know goalie had no chance on that. So it's uh, it's not sustainable, but it sure makes for entertaining hockey, doesn't it? But but last thing I want to say is, did you see that comeback coming last night? Like nope. I've seen some of them coming. But Not I didn't see one. that one coming. I'm with you. No. Some, some looked telegraphed. Some looked like, okay, watch out. The only thing that I thought, and I did say this going into the third after the intermission, I said, okay, second half of back-to-back, can they catch him? I didn't think it would, but I still didn't see it coming. I thought Carolina was in full control. And I didn't even think Calgary was playing horribly. 
I just felt like Carolina was in full control, and that's a damn good team. So, no, I did not yeah. see it coming. Yeah, and I felt that way about the Minnesota game. Like, I don't think the Flames the Flames could have played their best game of the year, and I still yeah. don't think they would have beaten Minnesota. They were on fire and full of confidence and scary because that's one of the teams you're going to be competing for for yeah. one of those playoff spots. Thank you, franchise. Great stuff as always, pal. Be well. Have a great weekend, my man. We'll see. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, see you on Saturday. Uh, great, great stuff Cheers. as always. Eric Francis on Twitter at Eric Francis. Read him at Sportsnet.ca. You see him on Sportsnet West, and he's always part of Flames Talk on a Friday. He's part of the Eric Francis Hour as we start to wrap things up. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com. Eighteen plus. Please. Please play responsibly. This is Flamestock. Get out of here quickly. This hour will be up on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts in just minutes' time. If Shohei Otani news breaks and it's the Blue Jays, we'll be all over it here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. So don't worry about that. Uh, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, if Otani's a J, just make sure you tune in to 960 AM because we will have wall-to-wall coverage for you. Hitman Hockey is coming your way next. The Hitman are in Prince Albert.